Do you like to bone? I reckon you do like to bone. My name is Leonardo DiCaprio, and did you know that by the year 2024, over 50 million American males will suffer from erectile dysfunction? It's true. What you need is something powerful, something potent, something that gets your rod hard on a Saturday night. Introducing Spring Roll, the newest Viagra out of South Vietnam. You want to know how I, at 46 years old, bang all those Albanian models on the back of our Galapagos sea turtles? Spring Roll is the answer. It gets your blood pumping in your nether regions. Leave the melting south of the equator to the icebergs. Spring Roll. I had to get my promo out of the way, uh, just in case... Some of you guys decided to cash out five minutes in or two. Depends on your tolerance levels like today. Welcome, everybody. Uh, that was an impression, by the way. Uh, that wasn't the real thing. I don't have sponsors just yet. All right. I do think my DiCaprio has legs. That's the un- uh, official podcast unveiling of the impression. Uh, I do need sponsors, though. So if anybody has an idea of somebody I can cozy up with uh, to uh, get some money pumping in this ma, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I'll do anything. I'll, do, I'll sell blood, sperm, whatever you need uh, to get that to get that approval from folks. I don't know who I who I would get for a sponsor. Uh, I maybe go local. I maybe get Jordan Peterson to do something. Have him on the pod. We can uh, go back and forth about. I don't know if he's got a new book on existentialism or uh, masculinity in crisis. Whatever the hot topic issue is of the day that he's going on about yeah i'll I'll get him to do the promo i'll get him to just sit in front of a camera in a chair made from the bones of people in the ottoman empire um i'm sure he's interested in that stuff and he just he goes off you know like what you need to do is you need to just expand on your masculinity you need to get something that something that gets the testosterone pumping in your blood Fishing, fishing's a great example. That's a masculine activity. You go out on a boat with a few of your friends, you hit the high seas, catch a muskie. Now, that's really not ocean fish. They're more lake dwellers, but you get the point. Catch a swordfish, maybe. Hold it up, throw it out on the dock, and just watch the ladies swoon. You can make up a, a grand story. You can spin a yarn about about how, oh, I wrestled that thing out of the ocean. While we were wrestling, a great white shark came in, and and I had to hit it in the nads, and it swam away just at the sign of my sheer dominance. And the ladies, they'll, they'll just be taken aback by that story. They'll be soaking wet, and they didn't even go for a dip. And uh, my name is Jordan Peterson, and and check out my new book, Fishing for the cock. Fish for the cock. I think that's uh, I think that's a good match. I think I think he's a good fit for the pot. Uh, I had my kettle going off a second ago. I had to stop recording and uh, turn it off. I don't know. I've I've never been heckled by machinery before, but hey, automation—that's uh, the new thing. Uh, I've been trying to, uh, d- during this quarantine, I've been trying to get back on the Tind, trying to get back on the dating apps, whatever it is, Bumble, Hinge. I don't know why they call it Hinge. Like, 
I, I don't know what that has to do with finding love in your life. I don't know, maybe hinge, I don't know, maybe the door to your sex life is closing. You only have so many chance. Maybe you won't budge. Shit like that. But I'm trying to do Tinder, and Tinder freaks me out. I, I gotta get off of it. I, I don't... I, I've had it for a couple years. I've met a couple people. Now, granted, it didn't exactly work out, but I'm... Uh, it, it, it it's one of those things i'm matching with women with girls with whatever the thing is i'm matching with women who i like i don't i know for a fact i didn't swipe right on these women i know for a fact like i'll get that ping on my phone i'll look at the picture and it'll be a girl with 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 a peg leg holding a tarantula no thank you madam Run as far as I can from that one. Uh, the Niagara show on Tuesday was excellent. Thank you to Levi Mann for having uh, us out. Me and Max Ross, uh, we had a great time driving down. It was a cool thing. Yeah. They had a whole stage in the back, giant stage. We had to uh, perform behind plexiglass, and I, uh, I uh, made a little joke very quickly about how poetic that was for comedians. They could finally bomb and then look directly at their own reflection at the mess they have become. But it was a great time. Uh, uh, I uh, did about 10, 12 minutes and it felt good. That was my first set in about five weeks. So I needed that. I needed something to reassure me <laughs> that this was, uh, this was good. I had a good set and uh, it was fun. So I want to do that room again. Taps in Niagara Falls. It's a massive restaurant, but they have a, a showroom and spectators socially distanced. And it was excellent. You know, being in quarantine, I'm not just thinking about Twitter or Tinder, rather. I'm uh, thinking more about things that I did in the past that uh, I, uh, you know, I uh, the roads that I didn't stay on like my rap career or the rap career I would have had if I had stuck with lyricism and uh, writing raps. I was a white rapper for a time, and that's a weird position to be in. That's because uh, people people never think of you as a rapper. You're a white rapper. For once, people were judging me by the color of my skin first. I win the Oppression Olympics today. No, but being a white rapper, it's different. Like white rappers are just interesting breeds. We're we're just an interesting brood in a lot of ways. I mean, there, we always have to put up that facade because we might not be accepted in hip hop right away. We have to we have to maintain this image of authenticity. So that's why you see a lot of white rappers are like backpackers. They uh they're into like the underground scene and being independent. You know, anything to prove that they're real, like you'll hear them like, yeah, I don't even have a social media. I just, I travel the countryside. I'm a drifter. I don't even have a, a home address. I just, uh, I go from one place to another, one town to another. And I just, I find an establishment. If it's a laundromat, that's fine. I'll just, I'll go in there and I'll talk to the manager. I'll say, Hey, I'm from out of town and I'd like to put on a hip hop show, uh, in your place of business. There's a guy over there, uh, with, uh, he, he looks like he's lonely and he, uh, can maybe kill some time, uh, He's clearly waiting to wash the blood stains out of his uh, comforter, 
And uh, I don't know. I just said, like, where's the speaker system? Like, let's get some shit going. I just want to get those vibes going in here, man. Like, just let, let, let me spit a hot 16. And the manager's like, okay, first of all, put some clothes on, okay? Second of all, I'm going to call the police. Well, well, I don't care. I'll, I'll negotiate with them. And that's how you know he's a white rapper. <laughs> he is willing to negotiate with local law enforcement. Yeah, white rappers are weird. But yeah, it's a lot of paranoia. And they always know like the ins and outs of record companies and what happens there. Like they're 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 100% paranoid about signing a record contract cuz they feel it's going to sell I mean am I, am I giving away my soul? Am I are they going to take my spirit away? What's going to happen, you know? I remember hearing from a guy and it like he just went down conspiracy lane. But this is when I was younger and I was first talking to one guy and he was like, "Man, Man, if you the second you sign that 360 contract, man, with that Magic Ink, they they own you. They can do pretty much whatever they want with you, man. Like uh, they it, they perform a ritual almost. They they get you to kneel down and they take a hair sample and then they take a syringe and they shove it up your ass and extract both blood and feces and put it in a test tube and then they basically just put it in the uh, interscope basement and just hide it down. And so they basically have your DNA on file and they can do whatever they want with it, whatever they want with it, and they are so sure of their talent. They actually believe that record companies are going to clone people who look just like them. Yeah, we need more we need more guys named Bradley with dreadlocks. That's the kind of that's the image that we're trying to sell to the masses. Justin Bieber's phase didn't really pan out the way we wanted it to, but <laughs> 2021. And they all have weird names, white rappers too. Weird ones. Because they know that they're like, and again, I I don't blame them for not liking the industry. Because a lot of the shit on the radio is trash. It is hot garbage. Okay, it is poppy. It is prepackaged. But because they want to just separate and remove themselves as much as they can from that, they choose stupid names <laughs> a lot of the time, like things that are just really pretentious and stupid, like. You ask the average person what rappers they like. They probably like Big Sean. They probably like like Snoop. They probably like Post Malone, Eminem, guys like that. You ask this guy what his name is. Like those, those are regular names. You ask this guy his name. He's like, my name's Non Sequitur. You're like, why Non Sequitur? <laughs> I don't know. I was just I was reading the dictionary, high on acid, and it just clicked. Or you talk to another guy. My name is Stanislavski. Why stay? Are you Russian? Nah, man. I was a I was a theater nerd in high school who wore leotard every day, and hip hop saved me. All right, but it just wasn't for me. I had to uh, I had to hang it up. I had to hang up my hip hop my hip hop clothes <laughs> or whatever. Or if I want to get extra cringy, I say I put down the mic. Say I put down the mic. That's what you hear from a lot of rappers on Tinder. Or <laughs> I'm mixing things up, man. It's early in the morning. That's what you hear from rappers on Twitter whenever they're uh, promoting an album. They say, uh, yeah, I'm uh, promo like when it's their final album that they're releasing, when they claim to be retiring, they'll say, I'm putting down the mic, everybody. This is it. And, uh, they're really not putting down the mic usually. That's just more their marketing campaign. But they should have put down the mic maybe 10 years ago because the fire is out. And for some, the fire was never lit. 
Their career was never fire. It was more fireplace channel. But uh, a lot of rappers, as soon as they get out of music, they need to diversify. You need to make sure that you have you have some money set aside, that you haven't blown it all. Like a lot of guys, that you know, they just need to get another thing. Like Snoop's getting into other things. Now, he's still making music, and it's not as great as it once was, but at least he's doing things differently. You know, he, he commentated the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones fight, and he was the best part of that evening. Now, not everybody's musical talents will translate into sports commentary. Some rappers' personalities are worse than Vigo Mortensen. That's a given. But you got to try to expand. A lot of rappers, like they can't, uh, white rappers, is bad. I'm going on a tangent here. A lot of white rappers, they, it, it's, it's just kind of the same thing over and over again for them. You know, just the same lyrics. They, they, they're not versatile enough. They, they always talk about the same things. Like every white rapper, their debut album, whether it's Mac Miller, whether it's anybody, they'll always have this song about being on tour and missing their girlfriend. I'm like, what tour? The only show you've done is in the back of a bingo parlor. Either that or a song about uh, flying away. I'm going to fly away. I'm going to fly. Where? Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just going to spread wings and I'm going to fly. Okay. Uh, just I'm going to be one with the bald eagles. All right. So uh, inspirational ditty to some. Propaganda to others. That's great. Uh, a lot of white. I did a lot of shows with the white rappers, the white backpackers, so to speak. I think that's the term people use for the underground sort of. Uh, you never really change kind of thing. But I did a a lot of those, and they were they were fun. Most of them, I remember. Um, one particular show, one night, I brought a couple of friends out. This was, this was my first gig where like there were some stakes. Like if I brought enough people to the show, they would book me again for a bigger act the next time, the next year. I remember it was Christmas, I believe, of 2012. My buddy Matt Almeida was putting on a show uh, at some upstairs venue. I forget the name of the place. It was on Queen Street downtown, and it was all it was. It was just it was a couple like cool guy and then it, it was a lot of white it was a lot of white rappers it was a lot of guys just from the area people from out of town people nobody had ever heard of before and uh that was that was what it was and i remember performing there that night with uh i, I believe i followed a guy there was one guy that i remember me and my buddy max ross we still talk about today and i'm not talking shit about him he was really memorable and we had a great time watching him we still kind of joke around but uh he was a white rapper by the name of suspicious package. Suspicious package, baby. That was how he went. And he had the whole outfit on. He, I remember he had this distinct... He was dressed like Michael Douglas in Falling Down. Joel Schumacher directed that movie in 1993. If you haven't watched it, it's a really good movie. Watch that flick. But Suspicious Package was dressed like Michael Douglas's character in that movie because he's having a nervous breakdown. He's this office guy who's just... He has so much pent-up frustration. He's divorced from his wife, this and that, Whatever. But he's dressed, he has a pocket protector, he has a white button-down t-shirt, like office shirt, like, you know, regular desk job from that time. Buzz cut, tie, and a briefcase. And he gets up on stage with this getup. 
Anyways, the beat starts playing. He goes into his first song. And nobody has DJs at these shows, by the way. It's a guy with your USB key, a guy who lives in a van out in the back alley, plugging the key into a laptop with a cracked screen. 90% of the time, somebody smashed that shit. And you just hope that your music plays. You're just hoping that it all works out. Because who knows, the night before, a disgruntled customer could have very well just poured his pitcher of beer in one of the stereo systems, causing an electrical fire. You're lucky that the fire inspector didn't shut the place down and end your career before it even began. So Suspicious Package is up there. He's doing his thing. The beat starts playing. And his first, his intro to his first song, he does this little act out. The first 20 seconds before, before any lyrics just goes boom, 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 boom. I'm not doing it any justice. But he does this little act out where he pretends to take a UPS clipboard from somebody. And he says, suspicious package. And he looks at the clipboard. I'll accept. And he goes straight into lyrics. <laughs> I don't really remember what he was talking about. But it was uh, probably some of that lyrical, miracle, satirical shit. You know? You rhyme entrepreneurial with haunting your burial. Gave my aunt a venereal. Shit like that. You know, kind of stuff. And he's rapping with his briefcase in hand. Microphone in one, briefcase in the other. (laughs) It's a sight that I will never forget. And I don't know what happened to that guy. He probably moved to Panama. Found himself a nice local uh, wife to uh, marry. Had a a couple kids. He seems like a guy who wouldn't even know this pandemic was happening. He uh, He lives in solitude. He can't be bothered by the problems of of uh, first world garbage. I was in a rap group. That was a thing. Yeah, me and uh, three other guys. It was called Riot Squad. Riot with a Y. I don't know why the Y was there. It was probably for uh, why are these four white guys on stage? But we were good though. I miss those guys. We were all uh. It, uh, we, we all kind of went our separate ways. We, we put down the mics all simultaneously. It was, uh, it was yeah, well, the oldest guy, the guy, the founding member. I, I guess he was the founding member. He became a pretty dope photographer. I still keep in touch with him. One of my other buddies, he joined the army. And that's how much the music business traumatized him. He's like, yeah, I can survive the rap world. I can, I can go over there. I can, I can, I can fight. No, he's more of a man than me. I respect him. <laughs> uh, oh, and then the third guy, who was also a friend of mine. All these guys were like really good friends of mine, too. I, I uh, miss hanging out with those guys. and We would do shows. We would all uh, climb in the same car together, and it, it was cool. But the third guy, he went missing like off. He, he was, he's off the map. He's off the grid. We don't know where he went. <laughs> he was off the face of the earth. Uh, we, we don't, I don't know, he's probably, probably started a rap duo with Suspicious Package. So two of them are traveling the countryside. They lived up, they moved up to the Pacific Northwest. They're tight with Bigfoot. They're stealing parts from D.B. Cooper's plane, selling them on the black market. That's Canadian hip hop. Um, good times, 
Good times. Miss those guys. Miss Riot Squad. You know, I watched, uh, to switch gears, I watched The Spy Who Shagged Me recently. And uh, I thought it was going to be the, a, a case of a, a movie that I hadn't seen in 15 years. I, I hadn't seen since I was a small child. And now I'm, uh, I, I'm not that into it. I thought it was going to be that thing because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I figured, hey, this is my first real adult watch of an Austin Powers movie. I'm probably just going to think this is garbage and turn it off in five minutes. So I remember it was a Saturday afternoon. I turned it on Netflix, laughed at every fucking scene in that movie. It's hysterical. That was when comedy was just kind of simple. It was innocent. It did its job. If a movie was a parody, it would be a parody. There was no draw, There was no message or lecture in the middle of it. Now everything has to have a lecture. It's just some chick who looks like Post Malone telling you about how you're problematic halfway through. And I'm like, this is a movie about a frat party. Where did this person come from? But movies like that, movies from 20 years ago, like I find myself laughing more at movies from 2001 with a 15% score on Rotten Tomatoes. I find those movies funnier than the movies today. Now, granted, they're still doing some funny shit today, but it's more its more a message that they're trying to convey to a group of people. There's more of a weird agenda to it. And I'm not going down like the conspiracy. I'm not bashing anybody, whatever. You have creative freedom. It's, it's your liberty. But it's a fucking drag. The masses are not fans of it. Austin Powers was cool. They had cool observations. Granted, they're not amazing movies, but The Spy Who Shagged Me, that whole scene with Will Ferrell when they got him on the side of the road, where is Dr. Evil hiding? Oh, I can't, I can't answer. I, I hate being asked the same question three times. Like, that's an actual thing that somebody observed from James Bond movies and secret agent movies, and they said, hey, you know what? We're putting that in, in, the, in the comedy. And it worked. It was fucking hilarious. But now you don't do that anymore. Now it's just really heavy-handed dialogue that just comes out of left field. It has nothing to do with the context of the scene. It's just two ladies driving at night like, you know, I really didn't like that house. Yeah, it felt like the roof was going to collapse. Yeah, you know what else should collapse? The patriarchy. And you're like, okay, well, what the fuck? <laughs> this is a movie. You, you were at a kid's birthday party. Like, what, what happened? One of the kid's... Like, pull you in, like, grab you in the ass? Like, what happened? And I get it. Like, you want to have a message, that's cool, okay? Do the message. I think things should, but messages should be ambiguous. They should, they should be more subtle. They should be quieter. Here's, here's what I think. This, this is the way I put it. A movie or a TV show, whatever it is, it should be a message inside of a story, not a story inside of a message, because then your shit just becomes like a PSA. And it's, it's a fucking drag, and nobody likes it. Everybody gets annoyed by it. Nobody wants to be patronized while they're watching a, while they're watching a, a movie about Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, no, 23 Jump Street, whatever. It is what it is, though. Another thing that I've been noticing about movie, and I wanted to talk about this, it, it kind of has to do with that, but it, it's just entertainment shit. I don't like the way we vilify 
other actors, uh, actors who do bad movies, like one by one. Like if you have an actor who does, yeah, you can make fun of them because maybe their career is going downhill. But what, like the the way we talk about them, as if they're villains in our society, as if they're like serial killers, neo Nazis, shit like that. It's like the, the like the way we talk about Ben Affleck. You would if you were from another country and you heard somebody talk about Ben Affleck, you would have thought they found a Ukrainian family living under his porch. Like he had just a, a secret sex dungeon in his basement. <laughs> You'll hear a guy going like, ah, oh, Ben Affleck's a piece of shit. He should drop dead. You're like, what did he do to you? He's like, reindeer games. Followed by Daredevil, followed by Gili. Now, to be fair, I did see Gili, and it is pretty much the cinematic equivalent of a terrorist attack. But he redeemed himself. He directed Gone Baby Gone, Slam Dunk, Argo, Slam Dunk, One Best Picture. Didn't deserve it, but hey, it's a comeback. But the way people speak about him, like, fuck him. Like, I hate Ben Affleck. I hope he just gets a disease. Like, it's like, what, what? I'm sorry, is he dating Casey Anthony? Is he, is he part of a, a sex trafficking ring? Is he responsible for a real Gone Girl? What's happening? Gives a fuck. He was a good Batman in a bad Batman movie. Give him a chance. Anyways, I'm going to end it there, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate the listen, those of you who made it through the whole thing. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow me on, we got this on Spotify now. And uh, follow the Instagram, Something's Off Podcast. Decades.